Hello everyone, and welcome to the Postmodern Art Podcast, the podcast dedicated to giving artists who are wowing the world over the platform they deserve. I am your host, Nathan Raglan, and today we have quite the groovy conversation. Today we have Dave Captaville, a horror genre-loving, all-around talented individual who co-wrote the Hasbun Hotel pilot and is currently the co-creator of the upcoming Farfetched. Dave was just a treat to have on. This became less of a podcast and more of just a regular conversation. And it's one I truly loved and I hope you all enjoy it as much, if not more, than I did. Go support him in all the links below. If you enjoy the podcast, consider subscribing or following on your favorite streaming platform. Follow on Twitter and Instagram at PostModArtPod for future updates and guest announcements. And... Join the Apocalypse Podcast Network Discord in the description below to join a community that loves this podcast and others. In fact, let's hear a word from another amazing podcast in the Apocalypse Podcast Network. Because this virus attacks the lungs. It's never more infuriating when you realize that your life has a price tag on it. The truth of the matter is we are in the middle of an apocalypse. There's no leadership. I went from being an ER nurse to you're a healthcare hero. I feel like a sham. Apocalypse Now is a podcast that asks if we are living at the beginning of the end. I'm Joanna Van Thine. Join me every week as I talk with interesting people and decide if we're all doomed. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And now, without further ado, please enjoy the Postmodern Art Podcast. What's going on, dude? It's going wonderful now. I'm finally getting a chance to sit down and chat with you, man. How's it going? I'm all right. That's good uh, to hear. Just, just another Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say for me, it's my day off. So, yeah, that's <laughs> I can agree with that on that one. I started the day by uh, packing up a uh, hundred plus uh, mailers of pins for people who ordered from Ashley's shop. Right, Cause... yeah, because that thing went insane the instant you guys dropped it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people they really like that. Uh, they really like that funny cast. You know, mm-hmm. they really like that. Um, but it's all good, you know. Like it's part of like, you know, but my, part of my job, you know, like. Yeah. Doing the co-creation stuff, but also like Ashley being my boss, is that I'll just do a lot of like extra tasks like that. So there you go. Speaking of co-creator stuff, I don't know if you noticed in the background, but yeah, I just decided to, to help out what little bit I can. Oh, <laughs> I appreciate that, dude. It's a, it's a rad poster that Cross designed. It really um, is. It really is. <laughs> I also appreciate the uh, title of the creator poster but that's my favorite album of his so. oh is it <laughs> yeah i was gonna say for me it's a competition between that one and igor not that there's a bad album he's had because i've listened to all of his stuff but like yeah at least when it comes to cover art i had to get that one as a matter of fact so so oddly enough today's my birthday um i went to walmart oh, happy birthday thank you um I was going to say, I went to Walmart today to pick up my usual stuff to prepare for the week and such. And while I was in the store, I noticed the Igor vinyl was just in Walmart for just randomly. And I decided, oh, nice. I decided to get it, but I don't have a vinyl player. <laughs> well, didn't, didn't he also like purposely in the mixing, like try to make it so that it would be best heard on like vinyl or cassette? I would as not. Well? I would not be surprised if that's the case. I do know that. Um, what was it? There's actually, if you listen to the CD or the vinyl, there's actually technically an additional song on there. He did release it on YouTube like a year later, 
but um yeah. what was it boyfriend or whatnot like that song oh yeah yeah that like if you got the record or got the cd it was on there first so a lot of people had that like year year in advance heads up so yeah i mean it, tyler's always you know ever since the beginning too been kind of like uh you know, went the way because he, he very adult swim minded kind of in the way he does his like production and music video stuff. Mm. Like, because they're always like like half cut short and mixing into other songs, which is fun. Um, I don't know I, I've been a fan of him for a long time. Oh no, ab- absolutely. I was gonna say it's funny. What was it? I don't think I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but like that half cut mixing into another song. Every single album he's done, the tenth track is always a double song. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. No, you know what? I hadn't noticed it, but now that you pointed it out, I'm gonna be like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> so that 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 wouldn't surprise. I love little Easter eggs like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love doing that stuff. Like my like like even like uh, I'm a big uh, <laughs> I'm a big Neil C. Sarega fan. Oh uh, uh, yes, you know who that is? Oh, absolutely. On his uh on his uh second mashup album, Mouth Silence. He does the whole because the whole joke is that it's the one mashup album that he's without any Smash Mouth on it, right? But if you speed up the entire album by like sixteen hundred percent or something, uh, it, the whole time there's this like ambiotic like whistling noise that you think is maybe just like some kind of a, uh, you know, it's just like some kind of atmosphere adding to it. No, it's 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 uh, Smash Mouth just slowed down across the length of the entire album as a backing track. That is brilliant. I have never heard that one before. That is brilliant right there. Yeah, uh, I, I, I love I, I love when people go way too far for shit posts. That's <laughs> my favorite thing. Uh, no, no, absolutely. Like you know, when people taking the time and effort just to put that little extra, like you know, almost like the the extra wink, nod, shove, toss into a river, so you can get the joke. <laughs> yep, that's the best. That is absolutely the best. Do you mind if I include this a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I know I've said so many damning things during this <laughs> 10-minute period. <laughs> you know what? It's What was it? I actually only started doing this whenever I had Silverhound on the podcast because I had him, like, one of the first guests of the new year and such. Uh-huh. And, um, like, we were just talking, like, about this all these random stuff. He's like, this is stuff we should include in the podcast. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start including this intro because it's a nice, like, it's a segue for the audience to be like, you know, okay, they're in for a nice, calm, cool, casual conversation, which is the vibe I try to go for with this podcast. Yeah. I mean, one thing I, I recommend, too, is that, like, because uh, when I do, because my background's in, like, radio stuff, when I do, like, a lot of podcasting stuff, is keep everything you can and then, you know, toss what's, you know, not really, like, vibing right or necessary and then just... Had him mix it all in, and then uh, you'll get a nice kind of casual conversation by the end of it. So, you know what? Duly noted. That that is actually very much noted because this this podcast is still very very young. It, it only started what September this past year. So any chance I can do to improve it, I will definitely take notes and all that stuff. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Yeah, no man, I've I've been doing podcasts and radio stuff for a long time. So uh, I, I'm like I'm like I'm 27, but I'm like 45 <laughs> in internet years. So. <laughs> Yeah, the internet can really catch up to you when it comes to age and all that stuff. With oh god, every time I log into Twitter, I like lose a brain cell. It's ridiculous. Like, also, I don't know what your policy is on cursing on this show. But oh, I'll I don't. To... I don't give a fuck. Go for it. Okay. Uh, it'll be an excuse to shape up my potty mouth anyway. So. <laughs> 
I was gonna say, I mean, I, I, you know, like I said, calm, cool, casual conversation. If a fucker or shit slips out here and there, I, I don't care. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyways, but if you're ready on your end, uh, I could just ju- I'll do a clap three, two, one, and we'll jump right in with the icebreaker questions. Does that sound good? Do you Do you want me to record by audio or do you? I think it sounds good on my end because I'm using uh, Streamlabs to record this, so it records both of our oh. audios, and the audio on your end yeah. sounds absolutely lovely. So. Okay. Yeah. No problem. I do appreciate the thought, though. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. Uh, I know how annoying it is when you like go to edit something and the audio isn't split, and then you're like, "Well, crap." Yeah. Screwed. <laughs> so yeah. What was it that? So one of the one of the podcasts I did was with a guy by the name of Joe Horn. Does that name ring a bell to you? I've I've heard the name. I, I can't put the face to it, but I've heard the name before. Okay. The biggest thing, at least for me was that he directed the entirety of Class of 3000, if you remember that show. Oh, yes, I yes. do remember that. He he directed that. He directed episodes of The Boondocks. He was a storyboard artist for the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the original Sonic the Hedgehog series. So this guy has years of experience. Oh, very nice. <laughs> yes. I was so lucky to have him on the podcast. But the audio issues, they mounted. Dude. <laughs> okay. No, I'm glad you actually brought this up. So it's like, this is something I, I, and I thought I was alone in this. It's so weird how whenever you get like bigger people, they never know how like recording or discord or Skype works like ever. <laughs> like it, it's always like garbage. And like, like I had like, um, like my favorite musician in the world, Devin Townsend. I was blessed to have on my podcast. It's like a dream come true. Right. For me. Right. I saw, I, I saw that one. I have yet to listen to. I listened to the other two episodes, but I need to sit down and listen to that one. Yeah. And I, the thing was though, is that like, he's super cool. It was like a, dream come true for me to interview him but my god his audio fucking suck and i'm like dude you're like you're like my biggest inspiration for a musician and your audio sounds like garbage like how, how look at that catch 22 so but of course like it doesn't matter like you know you make it work but like um it's just funny to me it's like you'd think like these people they would know they do enough interviews to know like hmm, maybe i should get something f- besides the blue yeti i found behind my house in the dumpster <laughs> like <laughs> Dude, I, you don't know how badly i'm relating to you on this thing i will say when, when it came to the joe horn interview that was actually audio on both ends. that was both mine and his as well but for his okay. it was his because like this was the first time he'd ever downloaded discord and he recorded it on his phone and you know just how beautifully the phone microphones can be hit hit wink wink um oh god so so yeah. so that was already bet on its own plus there are times to where like my mic would get feedback and i would hear myself twice so that was annoying as it was but on top of that so for that episode i decided to get a couple of my friends on as well and we like ran out of space we were gonna go in we were gonna record my dumbass did not think you know we should only have one microphone to record the entire thing now my dumbass thought okay we're in this recording space just to be safe, let's all bring our microphones. <laughs> and so it's like, oh, no. so, so it's like, there's at one point there was like three different ones. And then we decided, you know, okay, I'll tell you what friend, Alex, you, your microphone is probably the best one out of the three of us. We're going to use yours. So, uh, you know, he sets this up and we start using that one. But then like halfway through the interview, I think, you know what? I'm also recording audacity on my end. So I can at least record my microphone. I also forgot that, uh, Streamlabs also recorded my microphone on top of his microphone, so there was that instant disconnect and like you know oh. overlapping, and uh, it was 
it was a nightmare. I the editing for that one was so bad because I didn't have any like good editing software. I had Movavi at the time, which if you've ever heard of it, if you haven't heard of it, don't use it. Um, I'm gonna say I've never even heard of that. <laughs> it's one of those like if you're starting out bare bones and you have a little money to spare, sure, but don't stick with it. But, right. But for me, it. I had to edit so much of the audio and so much crap that by the time I got done, I exported it. I was able to get the audio version, but it would crash every single time I had to do the video version of it. So I didn't have a video version to put up. Oh, God. What, what I did instead was, luckily, like I said before, I exported the audio version. I layered that down. I took the thumbnail that I had uh, Magpie... Uh, do for the episode and I put that just over the entire track so it's just that visual the entire time with like one little part to where I put uh, a celebrity's face or yeah I, which is a whole separate story but yeah that's that's how the video version had to be Ugh, that's rough man <laughs> it is but I, yeah. I, know, I know I know you know I, I, I'm empathetic because I've been there and I get it <laughs> Uh, but as you as you do this more and more and more, things will be more comfortable, and you'll find new things oh, yes. to make it for you. So absolutely. Plus, I will say one of the things, like you know, getting more experience, getting better equipment, hopefully, like you know, to help with more group recording. If I was to do another group podcast that isn't straight up on Discord again, um, yeah, that was. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I will say. I got the chance to sit down and talk to the person that basically helped shape my childhood because I was a huge fan of Class of 3000. Like, that's the thing I can never, that can never be taken away from me. That's like you with uh, Devin and with Maxwell, like, just interviewing them. I can only imagine, like, how much it, like, blew your mind just to even talk to them. Oh, yeah, man. That's that's the coolest part is that, like, and there's also an element of it, too, that's kind of humbling when you realize, you know, kind of these people are uh, just human as well. And then you're like, well, okay. Like, I, I, you know, these people that you look up to so much, you kind of bring them back down to your level a little bit. And it really kind of inspires you uh, in a way. Um, so I'm sure that's what, what it was like for you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I do want to say, though, real quickly, when it comes to Maxwell, dude, that, <laughs> I listened to the terrible title talk, terribly t- terrible title talks is that it's supposed it's supposed to be like a uh a uh, alliteration tongue twister in a way of yeah. alliteration yeah I, I i just like to fuck with people so <laughs> you, do, you do a great job at that but i was gonna say still having him on that podcast and just like hearing like the stuff with cartoon network and behind dead meat and stuff like that dude that's that's the podcast i dream to have with people like you that was great <laughs> i i got i was very very blessed to uh because he's He's such a nice guy, and we've become, you know, friends and stuff. But That's like, good. Yeah, that that just the opportunity that, like, the way I got to meet him was being like, you know, like, hey, you do practical effects stuff. Do you want to go come work for my thing? And I was like, uh, you made my favorite cartoon as a kid, and now you're asking me to do throw fake blood around your house? Uh, yes, please. Like, <laughs> I, I that weekend, I was a kid in a candy store. So. <laughs> I can only I can only imagine that'd be like if I was in LA at the right time and Tyler's like, "Hey, I I need you to throw paint in the streets. You want to help out?" I'm like, "Fuck it, let's do it." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. No, that's like still like I can only imagine like with with that and just like everything online, I can only imagine how blown back and how surreal it must be for you at times just seeing all this stuff. Yeah, it it's 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 very weird. And I think if it wasn't weird, then that'd be a problem, you know? No, absolutely. Like, <laughs> um, no, it, it's all still very, like, I mean, I'm very, very lucky 
to you know be involved in and kind of the position i'm in at this point but like it's still kind of new to me even though i've been doing this stuff for a long time the whole kind of like um i don't know i guess the back end of it is very kind of new to me Mm -hmm. like because um you know i'm used to just kind of doing my own thing and like just skating by but like i don't know it's been very wonderful but like i said also like very lucky that i've been able to you know currently have this actually be a like my job which was like always my dream like i know this probably sounds like so pathetic in a way (laughs) but like like because most people are like you know like i want to like you know be a movie star or i want to like you know i don't know climb mount everest i'm like i just want to not work in a meat market anymore yeah (laughs) like like, that's all i want i want to just like like if i can just pay my bills the bare minimum doing something creative i'll be happy and like you know so i i find in that way you know that yeah. kind of helps with the whole thing because like when you know that like that kind of like sort of i guess in a way like humble mentality it makes you kind of like you know appreciate everything you get in a way because like I- i'll still like it's so weird to me man because like I- i've been like i said meeting such like other cool creators and getting to work with them and talk to them oh it's it, it's very weird because i've become less and less starstruck over time right but it's still every once in a while it's still gaspy that i'm like you like it's a kind of thing where it's like you don't realize it until like way after the fact mm-hmm. where like I'll, I'll work on something with somebody and then i'm like wait holy shit that was that person <laughs> that's cool like like but it'll be like after the fact and i think that's just because i'm a very like work-minded person that's a good mentality um, to have yeah, like I said, it's just it's just from working labor jobs for eight years, and then that that's what I'll say. Like like this is completely. I'm gonna turn into old man yells at cloud for a second here. <laughs> but like to everybody listening, uh, whether you want to go be whatever you want to be, if I was the president, right? Okay. I I would say between uh, high school and college, whether you decide to go to college or not, based on what you want to do. Everybody should be required to work six months of retail or labor in between high school and college so that you get that experience and you decide what you want to do. Because that shit humbles you like nothing else. (laughs) So, and like I said, this is, you know, waving cane at cars (laughs) running by, but like... uh, yeah, that didn't answer your question at all. But there <laughs> well, there, there wasn't really a question in the first place. It's just more or less us chit chat, so it works yeah. perfectly. I, I, I do want to say I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm currently working a warehouse job, so I'm like you know doing that kind of stuff. I started off where I was, uh, like I work at a place that sells like uh, tractors, excavators, skid steers, like you know construction equipment and such. My first yeah, job, yeah. my first job there was whenever we load them up on the semi trucks, I would get in there and like nail blocks of wood to the ground to make sure that the stuff doesn't go rolling around and causing thousands of dollars worth of damage. I was doing that before that I was at a cold storage facility stacking 40 pound boxes of chicken all night long. Like I, I, Oh geez. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean with that kind of the, the labor and the workplace mentality. And also with what you said beforehand with, you know, just one to not do that for the rest of your life and such. Cause, and, th- and that's not to say like if, if people who do that, for their whole life there's nothing wrong with that obviously if you love doing it that's awesome right it's just that you know sometimes there's just it's just not what you want to do so 
Right. I mean, if nothing else, this podcast, one thing I try to encourage is go with what you love. Like, you know, it's worth taking that risk if you if you know you can if you're passionate enough about that, you want to go for it. Exactly. That's that's exactly it. That's that's the hardest thing, though, is that like, um, uh, you know, having something you love that you want to do, mm-hmm. because there's the, the absolute truth of these things that I've learned, at least. And this could be different for everybody, but is that, you know, it takes a lot of hard work, but it also takes a lot of luck. Yeah. And that's no the truth. I, I, I've, I've publicly gone on record and say that do not take advice from people who don't chalk up luck as part of their success. Uh, and uh, I stand by that because um, the absolute, and it's sad because like, I, I, and I do believe that working your ass off, of course, will get you places. Oh, I do yeah. absolutely believe that. But I also believe, unfortunately, there has to be some kind of, you know, uh, not otherworldly, but like outside factor to kind of, you know, help you along that path too. Whether it's knowing the right people or being in the right place at the right time or, you know, like punching a genie in the face i don't know one of the one of them but like i just think that's important to uh you know recognize when you talk about your experiences oh yeah no trust me with with just about every single guest i've had on this podcast i chalk look up as like the number one big thing more than anything else like like just having you on the podcast man like this is this is already surreal to me like i never thought i would like I guess for you, I don't know how your mindset is with this kind of stuff, but to me, like you're like one of the the funniest people, and you're one of the most innovative people that I've actually gotten the chance to sit down and talk with. Now I talk to a lot of people that you know, I I just appreciate what they do, and I appreciate what you've been doing, man. Seriously, with like you know everything from just you know the stuff that you help write, the stuff that you help promote, and just the the humor that you have. Like you are truly someone I admire, and I was lucky to have you on this podcast. Well, it's it's very very kind of you. I I really appreciate that. I I don't know. It's it's I uh, it kind of goes back to your earlier thing where it's like I I I really appreciate people like supporting what I do, but mm-hmm. it's also kind of like I don't know. I'm very weird with compliments and stuff because it's just like I don't know. It goes back to that whole like don't get a big head mentality. Right, you know, right. That's one of my biggest anxieties. <laughs> it's just the fear of like one day just being like. Oh, I'm hot shit. Let's roll with it. Like, cause, cause that's the people I hate oh, anyway. Yeah. So, uh, I'm just like, nope, nope, nope. Just going to be like, yeah, thanks man. I appreciate it. Like just <laughs> so, but no, that honestly, that's very, very kind of you. Though. I, I was going to say that mentality. That's something that my dad has kind of instilled in me. Cause so before I started this podcast, I was going to school. I still have like a semester left. And I need to get down to it at some point, but, um, I was going to be a filmmaker. Like I, I've made short films and such. And, um, like even then like my dad is always like you know it's it's it'd be great if you get those like big goals and stuff like that but always remember where you came from and i think for you like especially with the the hard labor and stuff that you've been to before like you know what's like to to not have and so i feel like it, at least with you like now that you're starting to have and what you have more to have i i feel like you would still like in the back of your mind just be like remember what it was before you you know what i'm talking about no, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, and I'm glad you can relate in that way because I, I think it boils down to just appreciating what you have. There you go. That's kind of what it boils down to. Because um, I was very much the same way, kind of like what your dad was with my parents, where my parents were very much kind of like um, for a long time, uh, 
like you know like you like we're happy you like do like this you know all this like creative stuff but like you need to get a real job you know as you know just how parents are and um and, and so i think part of that mentality kind of is still there where it still is kind of uh, even though this is my job now it still doesn't feel like it right. and i'm hoping that doesn't mean like i'm gonna have like you know a brain aneurysm but like I, I I'm thinking it's just me not fully adapting yet to kind of a because if you do something for so long, right, it takes a while to break a habit. Oh yeah. Um, like uh, like I was gonna say, but it was like because uh, you were stacking like cold chicken items. That's what we would do. Like at my meat market job, I worked at for five years, uh, which I you know loved the people I worked with. That's why I liked my job. Right. And like the one thing I can say is that like even though the stuff I do now is what I want to do for my career. If the bombs fall and the apocalypse starts, I won't be eaten because I can cut up meat now. <laughs> so it's like like having that butcher skill set. It's like okay, it's cool to have, oh, yeah. you know, but it's not what I wanted to do. And but I relate to you because three times a week we had to stack, you know, multiple pallets of just big boxes of meat, oh, yeah. everything <laughs> from chicken to sausage to ground beef, and put them in the freezers. So uh, I get it. Yeah, it. it so anytime I like see like and I think about like, you know like oh god how hard is my life? Then I think about picking up one of those eighty pound boxes of meat and I just <laughs> shut my mouth, like. Oh my god, dude! Like I, I know <laughs> again, I know exactly what you're talking about because so most of the product we would get in is like Chick Fil A stuff. Like they would be our our main like storage places or whatnot, and like yeah, they, yeah. their chicken is packaged up right because you know hey this goes out to thousands of stores throughout the nation and stuff they right. want to make sure theirs is right the worst we would ever have is when we would get chicken that was meant to be distributed to prisons and such and uh um, oh let's let me put it like this they do not care about the people in prisons <laughs> so it's one of those we would get these like cheap uh. we'd get these like cheap boxes and these like thin bags that you would normally store like vegetables in all right so it's not really holding back anything and these things like easily crumbled up or whatnot they would be stacked almost as tall as me and i'm a tall guy i'm like six one six two all right mm -hmm. so, yeah. so so having to reach up and then try to bring it down so i can bring it down to my level and such i was just gooped in chicken blood and guts and stuff by i was the gonna say because it sounds like they would rip fairly easily they, the boxes didn't rip but like it didn't contain shit all right like it contained the chicken and that was about uh... it so, like, yeah, that was a nightmare. On top of that, I'm pretty sure, like, the first shipment... I was there for when we got the first shipment of it ever. I'm pretty sure we had the toughest time ever getting rid of the shit because it got freezer burned after a while. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. That, that's like when uh, multiple times we would have uh, uh, companies drop off meat product and they would do it in the middle of the pouring rain and they just wouldn't care so they let like whole pallets of boxes just get soaked and i'm like what am i supposed to do with this if i if i touch it it dissolves like there's no sense in me trying to stack this well this is why you have to get your personalized golden plated freaking forklift from the the back of your garage or whatnot mm -hmm. and bring it over. damn right your giant claw machine yeah <laughs> I wouldn't trust the claw machines because I see how they are at the arcades, and I don't trust those things to save my life. <laughs> I, dude, I swear to God, I've only won one of those things one time in my life, and I the only reason I remember it is because it was the freaking zebra from Madagascar stuffed oh. toy that I got at like some like 
Miami Beach boardwalk like arcade when my family was there like okay. when I was like in eighth grade or something <laughs> and I remember thinking I was like on top of the world like I could have like I could have fought God and given him a black eye at that point because I was just <laughs> like <laughs> I was so filled with youthful energy oh, uh, and now I look at one of those things I'm like I'm not wasting my money on that garbage I, I, I usually don't but like you know the, the, the weird little like key ones or whatnot I always get suckered into those like I try not to because I know they're a giant scam but I get suckered into those every single time yeah, I mean that's that, that's the thing about just those places in general is that they they really find a way to get you from all the colors, the lights, the ambiance. So the 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 appealing prizes that you could potentially get like a full on Xbox or a PlayStation. <laughs> it's it's so sad because it's like when you really think about and I don't mean to get existential on this podcast about you know <laughs> uh, creativity, but like God, if you really think about it, humans are like oh we're just drawn to pretty lights. We're such basic creatures, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's what we are, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, to be uh, fair, to be fair, this is an art podcast where I bring on a lot of people that bring on pretty colors and such. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that, that. I think that that just happens way too often with me. Where every once in a while, I'll like look at everything I'm doing, and I'm just like, I'm just a skeleton wrapped in meat. What am I doing? <laughs> like, like where I'm just like, I like, 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 like it just hits me hard. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like, but you know what? It's, it's these things that we make that, uh, keep us going. It's that art that basically is designed in a way to distract us from those harsh truths. There, so there you go. I cannot think yeah. of a better way to word it myself. I, I love how we have this whole entire conversation and the podcast technically hasn't even really started. <laughs> oh my God. I'm, I'm so sorry. I, no. tend, I tend to just rant. No, this is absolutely perfect. This is the kind of vibe I like for a podcast. So I'm definitely leaving all of this in. <laughs> okay. Yeah. By, by, by all means, I thought, I thought we were going, so that that's perfect. I mean, technically we were, but technically we weren't. Cause like I said, I like to include this little pre quill section into it but still <laughs> yeah uh, I, 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 I I've said this before I have my little roadmap of questions and such but dude if we go off on some random tangent on how you know Alf should be our next president in 2024 <laughs> I am perfectly fine going down that path okay yeah I, I, I that the, you know what though this this tendency and this is one of my issues I, I, I whenever I go on podcasts I usually just kind of like I'm like you know what what's on my mind let's talk about that <laughs> Instead of like, oh, wait, no, no, I got to uh, answer what they want to talk about. So I apologize. <laughs> oh, no. Again, do not apologize. I'm a person to where whenever someone wants to listen to this podcast, just calm, cool, casual conversation at the end of the day. Because that's the kind of stuff I love. So, again, if we go off on some random, like, 20 tangents throughout the entire thing and I have a three-hour podcast, fuck it. I am perfectly fine with that. I could split that <laughs> thing into two parts and release the same day. I am down for that. There you go. <laughs> It's always a solution. There you go. All right, Dave, before we get started, well, further than we've already have, uh, I must ask the icebreaker <laughs> question to ask for every single podcast. What is your most unpopular art opinion? Oh. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. You know what? I would say probably. Okay. Um. There is, even though technically they teach you that anything can be art, mm -hmm. I think there's a line. And I learned that in college whenever my art professor tried to teach me that 
a uh, two basketballs floating in a fish tank it was an art piece. And I, I, I think there's a limit of being able to come up with some phony baloney. Oh, but you don't get it. <laughs> I, I, I think there's a certain limit to where it's like, no, buddy, I don't think you get it. No, I, I, I know exactly what kind of art you're talking about. It, with that in mind, I'm guessing you're not a huge fan of Marcel Duchamp. I don't know if you've heard of him or not. I have not. Is, uh, is it like? Dude, okay, basically his stuff is just like, it's basically anti-establishment or whatnot, but still like some of the most random stuff out there that you'd probably look at and be like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, but, you know, here's the thing, though. It's like I'm I'm actually very, very open to a lot of experimental stuff because like like i said I, i'm a huge like david lynch fan oh yeah I'm, I'm huge into like very experimental stuff it's just that i can i think i can very easily tell when there's meaning behind it and when there's just like no this is just complete bullshit like i uh, think that's what it is okay so let me tell you about one of the most prominent pieces of marcel duchamp and i want to see what you think whether it's actual art or bullshit Basically, okay. when he first moved to New... I think it was whenever he first moved to New York, he went to a random hardware store. He grabbed the shovel, bought it, wrote his name on it, put it on a string, called it art. Put it on a string and yes. called it art. Yeah, like he hung it up from the ceiling to where it's just a shovel just hanging from a string with his name on it. Okay, that that's on that weird line where it's like... <laughs> Is it is it literally just flaunting because it's his name? You know what I mean? Right, right. Now, I I th I think I, for me, I, from what I can sort of interpret from it, it's just kind of like you know how society sort of like praises material objects or something like that, like how much we desire like material objects. The fact that we would go out and pay for stuff that should be more or less essential. That's how I interpret right. it. But that's, you know. So, like, he, like he's putting it on a pedestal by suspending it. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, okay. All right. I suppose, yes, that is a way to look at it. But at the same time, <laughs> like, there's a million other ways you could have put that sort of point across. All right. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I, I don't know. It. <laughs> part part because because there's a large part of me that's levity minded so i look at a lot of these things and i wonder if um a lot of these are kind of like parodies of kind of like art you know where mm -hmm. it's like like at what point is it like the is it like the joke is you're kind of making fun of that like right, right. sort of lack of nothing or are you actually trying to make a statement i suppose it's it's very hard to kind of determine it at times when it comes to some artists. Um, I feel like if you took a chance to actually like dive into Marcel Duchamp's stuff, like you have like several questions to where at one point you'll just be like, "Okay, you're just a pretentious asshole. Come on, man." <laughs> I, yeah, and I like to be like that because I don't like to you know like insult people like that. But like, there are just sometimes where I will just see. Like I said, like I didn't look up who it was, but like it just stuck with me. Just this image in a textbook, which was just a fish tank yeah. with just two basketballs floating on the top. And, and my art teacher was like this here, much like, you know, the comparisons to these paintings of the great Renaissance artists uh, is art. And I'm like, dude, you're really like stretching here. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to say on both sides of the coin on this one, like 
art can be interpreted many different ways and for some people like it's it's a statement of like the time period so whatever the guy was trying to say with the basketballs and the fish tank about that time period okay he's free to express that at the same time like comparing that to a renaissance painting that's 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 hard to really make the judgment for that's really hard to make a defense for so mm-hmm. i also have to say that this art professor i had he was also like this kind of weirdly obsessive andy warhol fanboy uh, okay um so like literally a third of the semester <laughs> Like, was just him talking about, like, how genius Andy Warhol was. And I'm like, and I fall into the camp where, while I respect Andy Warhol, he was way more of a celebrity than an artist. You know what? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good uh, point. (laughs) I mean, the dude painted Campbell's soup cans, let's be real. Like, (laughs) and and, and I I don't want to sound like, you know, this is great. First thing on the podcast, I sound like some, like, like anti, you know, like, I don't know, risque kind of creator that's not the case at all i love the weirdest shit trust yeah. me you can look look at you can look at the stuff i'm involved with and make and i love weird shit oh yeah um it's just uh i think sometimes there's just like a lack of any kind of meaning behind it that's all i mean fair enough fair enough i was gonna say you know warhol paints a uh, campbell soup can and you know everyone goes crazy about it i tried to do a digital painting of a Sam Campbell soup can and Campbell is probably going to take it and try to make it to an NFT. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> yep. That's where we're at. Uh, but basically there is a line with what could be considered art. Is that a hill you're willing to die on? No, that's <laughs> not a will- hill I'm willing to die on because that, 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 that's, uh, that, that sounds just so. Oh, okay. Okay. Fi- no, fi- find a way to word it in the way to where you'd be like, yes, I'm willing to die on this kind of hill. <laughs> Oh my god! Um, I want to die on any kind of hill right now. Um, <laughs> I'd say you have to I, die I, tomorrow. I'm just saying, like, if if someone is like you know trying to oppose you, you you'll stand your ground. I guess the best way to word it then would be something along the line of like, um, you know, if if have meaning behind what you're trying to make, you know. And whether it, you know, it be something that's very private to you or very obvious, whether it be, um, you know, have something. And like, I, I don't know. It's just like I said, this is very like a very minuscule thing, right. too, because like only a handful of people like try to be hacks. I fully believe, but I just think they're easier to spot. That's all I'm saying. Well, there we go. But nevertheless. I can't think of a better way to start the Postmodern Art Podcast. Welcome, everyone. I'm your host, Nathan Raglan. Uh, feel free to subscribe or follow whatever streaming platform you prefer. Uh, I am now part of the Apocalypse Podcast Network. Go to ApocalypsePodcastNetwork.com to find your new favorite podcast, maybe even my own. And uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PostmodArtPod for future updates and guest announcements, including today's guest. <clears throat> He is a writer who co-wrote the Hasbro Hotel pilot. He is the co-creator of the upcoming internet sensation Farfetch, as well as a director, musician, filmmaker, radio guy, former butcher, and a rat dad. Welcome to the podcast, Dave Captainville. How you doing today, Hello. Dave? Hello, I'm all right, man. I uh, I am, you know, recovering from dying on that hill earlier. <laughs> um, slowly putting the pieces back together how about you uh you know what i'm doing wonderful now i'm actually getting the chance to sit down and chat with you this is you know i'm honored to even just be mentioned the same sentence as you right now but (laughs) uh 
before we really divulge more into picking up the pieces or whatnot, I, I want to know a little bit more about the origin stories of Dave. What got you interested? Well, actually, before I divulge into that, I need to ask a question from our wonderful producer, Maria, a.k.a. Tipsy J Hearts. Um, how's your rat doing? Uh, she is good. Uh, my rat ranch, she is she is doing fine. Um, I literally gave her a barbecue Lay's chip before this podcast started. Um <laughs> No, she's she's good. She's she's very very sweet. She just likes to hide in places or go on my shoulder. Uh, it's been very nice to have a pet. So that's nice. I I I guess the the follow up question should be: How's it like for you being a rat father? Ah, uh, it's it's kind of what the uh, the amalgamation of my life has led up to at this point. Um, I, <laughs> I I don't know. I, I it's very funny because like I've always like the word rat has always been one of my just favorite words <laughs> and and i think it's it's very very fitting that uh i i've grown and it's and mainly because she's just such a, such a sweet girl Aww. that i've grown very very attached so well that's good that's good to hear i'm i'm glad i'm glad the adoption process has been wonderful on your end and you've been adjusting well to this new responsibility um uh, you know what's funny is the adoption process was literally we went uh uh we had gone to a place called the western ranch which is a little like kind of like pet supply feeding store mm -hmm. and this was fucked up but like unfortunately um they have what are known as feeder rats, which right. is, you know, what you feed to snakes. And you're supposed to buy them to do that. But instead, we said that, and instead we took her home, and I made her my daughter. Aww. I saved her from being eaten by a snake, essentially. Wow. Dave the lifesaver. I, that's something else I need to add to the resume with the the intro that I did. Oh God! <laughs> now now I'm gonna have to let like a like a like a like a like an old folks home explode or something to make up for that. <laughs> so I kind of balance myself out. I, I, a bit extreme, but you know what? I get the circumstances. I, I would start cause little... it just not cause it just like happen to uh, cough at the same time when it happens. So you know, don't see it. Happened to accidentally sit down on the detonator that just exactly, happened to be laying exactly, around. Exactly, right. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, now that we've kind of gotten... Well, now we know the origin stories of you being a rat dad. Let's go back even a little bit further. I want to know the origin stories of Dave. What got you interested in art and radio and writing in the first place? Uh, I don't know. I was always... Honestly, it, it all started with... It's kind of what you said earlier, like you were very much into like filmmaking and stuff. Cause I was the same way ever since I was a kid, I was obsessed with, um, just telling stories and stuff. Um, I would, you know, <laughs> steal my parents, uh, VHS camcorder with my friends and we would shoot goofy horror movies in the woods and, you know, dumb things where you would like throw rocks at each other and stuff <laughs> and make little movies out of them. And then, then I just started writing scripts for stories and I got super into, you know, I was, I was in like band and stuff growing up. So I was always super into music. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know. It's just like, I was always just been a very creatively minded person. Um, because I never, you know, I mean, I, I, I tried to play sports. I did. Um, wasn't good at him. I remember, uh, 
a middle school basketball game where I got the rebound off of a, a shot and I ended up throwing it back in the goal to score for the other team. <laughs> and uh, that was pretty much the end of my future NBA career. Um, but um, no, it was mainly just the arts and stuff for me. I actually like funny enough, the first thing I ever wanted to do was be a playwright, which, you know, to write oh. uh, for Broadway um, cause I'm a big musical theater fan, but, uh, that's a bitch. <laughs> and, um, cause I've tried multiple times to write, like, I tried to, like, I tried to, this, it's so bad. It's so bad. It's like, it's just one of those things. Cause like when I was a dumb kid, like I, I tried to write an entire Broadway musical by myself when I was 15 Oof. and, uh, it sucks. But that's fine because, like, you know, you're a kid. But, like, that's kind of, I guess, where it kind of started. But I was always also super interested. Like I, like, I look back, like, some of the happiest times of my life were, like, just when we bought, like, that cheapo Phantom of the Opera masks in my neighborhood. And we were, like, you know, making, like, a dumb horror movie. And, like, you could see, like, my friend, like, shooting the ketchup bottle from on screen as the blood <laughs> like, like like there's something about that that's just like very very inspiring and nostalgic for me yeah. and i think that kind of goes into everything um i don't know i i, I just it's, it's it's weird for me to talk about myself but like uh i've just always been a very i guess creative person i suppose no, I was gonna say, especially when it comes to you know the the home movies that you had made with the you know the cheap masks stuff like that. There, there's a charm about just seeing, I guess, that spark more or less, like you know, growing up and all that kind of stuff. It, it, it's something I would, it's something I wish I personally had. I, I'm in basically you know country bumpkin nowhere, Georgia, and the most uh, <laughs> the most media we would have would be my yearbook class. So there was never like a real like TV or movie outlet until I got to college and stuff. But like I totally get where you're coming from, just seeing that sort of you know young younger you just having that spark and just going for whatever like just making what you thought would be the best thing possible when did it for you go from like just this love to like a passion and your career um i would probably say uh when i went to college um and i did uh <laughs> and the following is not something i would advise doing as a path <laughs> Um, as I've hammered in, uh, luck from earlier, but, um, I, in my, uh, I went to college for two years and mm -hmm. I dropped out. Okay. But in those two years, I, I would say probably, um, 85% of my time was hanging out and working at my college radio station. Ooh, okay. Uh, and when I say that, I mean... I would skip class and go hang out at the college radio station, which is, like I said, not advised. Uh, um, go to class, kids. But um, <laughs> I I know I was absolutely in love with um, everything about it from doing kind of like the daily show, the commercial work, the announcement work, having my own show with my friend Zach, nice. who that was the first big thing ever was when we had our own show which was called hard knocks i remember this and it was basically a 
the only way I could describe it is that, like, imagine, like, if uh, the Dr. Demento show played, like, uh, heavy metal. Uh. <laughs> so yeah, it was okay. basically, like, we were uh, heavy metal, but we did comedy skits and stuff in between playing the music that we did. Right? Oh, yeah. No, I, I imagine there's a niche market for that. <laughs> yes. It, um, and when it got it, I, and it was all all week it was every wednesday night from seven to nine it was all i would look forward to and ahead of time we would write bits and skits and like improv stuff for it mm-hmm. uh, and i focused way more on that than any of my actual <laughs> college studies and um but that was the first time i ever was like was really like oh man like i would love to like just do something like just to entertain people like this because like you know, like oh my god, there are four people listening. Like like we would like we would scream like we just saw the the the, the mother Mary when when somebody would call in and give a request. Like you know what I mean? It's like oh my god, somebody's listening. <laughs> like um yeah, I I, I don't know. It, that's probably the first time that I really was like oh man, I'd love to make this like a thing. And then um after I left college because. Mm-hmm. Um, when you don't go to class, you tend not to get the best grades. Right, um, right. Uh, I didn't fail out of college. I just stopped. I just dropped out. But um, I got a job because in my hometown of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, there was um, a uh, corporate radio station that used the exact same uh, technology and interface equipment that my college station was using. Oh, okay. And so I got a job there as their board op and producer. Nice. Uh, and that was my first real job. Um, didn't pay very well. It was only part-time, but the experience was awesome because I got to work for a real like radio station. Um, I was the producer for the number one sp- LSU sports talk radio show of a man by a man who spoke way too fast from New Orleans who like at six o'clock in the morning I would come in and I would grab the coffee and set up the boards and I'd be like hey Mr. Codden how are you and it's just like dude it's six in the morning let's dial it down a little bit um and um but that was the first time I ever really was like wow like like i'm actually doing this i'm getting paid to do it like i was getting like i was like oh let me do the traffic reports let me let me edit the weather reports let me let me do i I was getting to do anything um because i wanted to like just do this stuff and that's what kind of got me into uh being like oh maybe it is possible to you know do this for some money even though it was very like you know the mind of like a you know 21 year old I mean, still, it's it's a good start more than anything else. Like, you know, just I I know for me, like, I didn't know I really wanted to be like go into a media kind of field until I actually got to the college I went to. And I saw like just their green screen room more than anything else with like the control panels and all this kind of stuff. I saw that and I'm oh, like, yeah. I need to be here. That's how I knew. So for, <laughs> for, for you having that like more firsthand, like actually producing the stuff that would go out to a much wider audience than just your you know local college and stuff. I can only imagine just like how mind blowing that must've been. It was something. It was very much like that was that mentality to not, you know, screw up or not, you know, 
do wrong because I was like, oh my god, this is like my one shot when in reality it's like I know they were just, you know, they had me on because like they needed a part timer. So, right, you know. right. Well, I, but it was cool. Oh yeah, no, I can only imagine. Now I imagine as you started to develop a little bit more of your own stuff, I imagine you tried to seep in just your own little bit of an influence, especially with some of the stuff that you probably grew up watching and stuff. I, I want to ask, what are some like the inspirations for what you made both then and now? Would it be somewhere along the you know the the heavy metal that you talked about before, the the aspects of horror and like the drama, you know, the horror dramas that you love to you know sprinkle in here and there? Like, what are some inspirations for your work? For me, it, it, I've always been uh, very inspired by uh, things that I guess I suppose the best way to put are like kind of confusing in a mm-hmm. way because like everything I enjoy and like to make is both scary and funny at the same time. Uh, and that's how I've always been like my like everything from like my, you know, the stuff I make and help create and my sense of humor has always been very uh it's it's been a bit macabre but i think in the way because i just find uh horror and comedy very close together from an emotional standpoint i Mm -hmm. suppose like i feel like uh like being scared and uh laughter are very similar kind of like you know uh quick reactionary kind of emotions and so they fall together well um and so that's why like you know i grew up loving like uh like the grim adventures of billy and mandy as the cartoons and i'm a massive like you know horror fan um and I, i take a lot of inspiration from uh 70s and 80s horror films um and a lot of stuff and i i love them I also like because i'm a massive fan of the practical effects of the 80s like that's mm-hmm. another like hobby of mine that i've loved doing but like just like the creativity of that time period is something that i've always just like felt a strong affection for even when i was a kid even when those movies scared the shit out of me <laughs> there was part of it which is interesting because i and i've said this before like in other places but um I was a, a an enormous scaredy cat as a child, mm-hmm. which is very funny to me because like I've kind of, I almost wonder if I was such a a baby at that period that I kind of got it all out of my system and sort of one eightied. Mm-hmm. But um, I was too scared to like even at Halloween go inside and get my Power Rangers costume because I was scared of the animatronic skeleton out front. So my dad had to get it for me. Uh but what's funny is that all these like movies and cartoons and things that I knew freaked me out, I also couldn't stop watching them. <laughs> and I think that's because there was a sort of infatuation with these emotions that they gave me um, and these creatures and these like stories. Um, and I think so, like, I think it was kind of important that I sort of learned what that sort of relationship between fear and laughter uh, was early on because I kind of developed my sort of style. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, from just what you're talking about, especially like, you know, Grim Ventures, Billy Mandy and those like, 
you know, 70s and 80s horrors and such. Like, there was always a good blend of the, the two genres together. And, like, you know, the, the you know, especially with, like, you know, Evil Dead, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which producer, Maria, absolute favorite film right there. Um, good yeah, taste. Very yeah. good taste. Oh, she is wonderful. I, I if, if I had a chance for you to talk to her, I think you two would get along really well. As a matter of fact, <laughs> as a matter of fact, after we get done, she has a couple. She gave me one or two things that she wanted to show you. One of them being you were asking for a foreign horror film but you know twitter being twitter or whatnot uh she has one that she wants to recommend you to watch okay good Uh, yeah the problem with that was that was nobody's fault (laughs) i i got rid of that tweet because i said that like i wanted and what i meant was i wanted more because i like a lot of like kind of unknown indie films and Mm -hmm. stuff and while people were giving me cool suggestions, funny enough, they were all from Canada, um, uh, which I, I love you, Canada, but like, um, that's not what you meant. <laughs> yeah, I meant more like because I'm way more into like uh, like Italian and Korean kind of like obscure horror movies. And I was talking more like obscure, like Dario Argento stuff, not like Ginger Snaps. There you go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no, like, no, the, no. and and I, while I love like Ginger Snaps, it's like I was like looking for something much more obscure. There so. you go. Well, um, luckily for me, my producer Maria has been more than happy to supply you with one that she thinks you would absolutely enjoy. So, all right. Um, <laughs> I, I was gonna say when it comes to these uh, the horror films and all this kind of stuff, what are some of your favorites to love, and what are some of your favorites to just absolutely decimate and roast? with just how weird it was. Hmm. Well, what's funny is that, uh, I, 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 am kind of weird because like, I'm the kind of person who I, and maybe, I don't know what kind of mentality this is to have, but like, I, um, I try to see the enjoyment in everything I can. Right. So even the worst fucking horror, I, I, I have a DVD of a movie I got for $1. Mm-hmm. at monster palooza 2019 called the refrigerator and it is exactly what you think it is it is about a killer refrigerator that eats people and it is not just it is a literal vhs rip onto a dvd it is one really? of the worst things i have ever seen in my life but it made me laugh my ass off right so it's like so it's like i can i even then say it's bad you know what I mean? Because I still found enjoyment in it. Because I've always said that the worst crime something can have is being boring. Right. Right. I would rather watch the most ridiculous, stupid piece of garbage that makes me laugh than, uh, I don't know, freaking The Fountain with Hugh Jackman. <laughs> Because that movie made me fall asleep, and that's why I'm targeting it right now. It's like the most boring thing on the planet. Um but to be more specific, I would say, I mean, everybody knows, uh, or everybody who follows me, pardon me, not everybody, Jesus Christ. Um, uh, Evil Dead 2 is not only my favorite, it's my favorite movie in general of all time. Mainly, for, I, I love the movie itself, but mm-hmm. what went into making that movie, um, it's so inspiring to me. Like, that's the thing, and I'll say this just for everybody. If you want to watch something that'll just, like, if you're just in a creative slump, go watch the, like, two-hour making-of documentary for Evil Dead 2 because it is just a small group of people making this masterpiece, uh, and it's just so much fun and inventive and, like, low-budget. 
And it, anytime I'm in some kind of like creative slump or anything, I will watch it. And uh, it usually takes me right out. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I have so many. I, I keep not answering your questions. Sorry. <laughs> no, um, I, I, I've said it before. You're perfectly fine. Keep going. I love, I love talking. Let's go. Because <laughs> I, I have a, I have a laundry list of movies I recommend to people that I love. Like, I will say this, and maybe this will reiterate because something I forgot to mention was before I did like stuff with Has Been and Far Fetched and all my other stuff. My very first break into the internet creation. Wait, can, was... I, can, can I answer this one? Because I think I know it. Oh, if you, I'll be, I'll be surprised. Is it Starter Squad? No, but okay. I, I did do Starter Squad stuff with my my friend Ship. Okay, who is a fantastic creator. Um, no, this is not a lot of people know this. Uh, my first big, my big, sorry, my first thing was um, I did a uh, a podcast about horror movies. Ooh. with internet creators called recapitate oh right yeah and yeah. that was the first real venture i ever took um which is how i met a lot of my friends and people like because it was just a show where we would joke about and talk about horror movies and uh through that i was able to talk about so many movies i loved um and discover a lot that i didn't know about um but like yeah, through doing that, I was able to, like, uh, kind of really expand on and recommend things to people because, like, I don't know, like, I, I'm i really big on, like, the 70s and the 80s especially. Like, um, like I said, the Evil Dead films, the, like, American Werewolf in London, your Tremors, your Reanimator, Hellraiser, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Halloween 3, The Thing. Like, there's, like, I could give you, I could do this all day. Like, um, I'm one of those people too that like I, I probably know and I'm not trying to say I'm proud of this because I'm not I probably know that like weird like like oh have you ever heard of this weird movie yes I probably have <laughs> like um, it, it, and I, I do get things occasionally and it's wonderful when people like recommend me something I've never heard of but most of the time when people like Dave you should check this out I'm like I've heard of it I just haven't had time to see it um, which is fun, yeah. I guess. But, uh, yeah. I I got one that was stumpia, but that's mainly because there wasn't a wide release of it. It was something, it was something that was done locally around where I went to college at, like a few years Ooh, ago. Okay. Have you ever heard of a film called Spook Bridge? Spook Bridge. Yes. And this was a local film. This was uh, a lo this was a local film. Well, is there's there was a filmmaker. I forget what the, um, I'm not gonna say the guy's name because I I have a little bit of respect for the guy, but not much. Um, <laughs> but so he he does his own like personal like projects and such. And made a full length horror film called Spook Bridge because around where I'm from, where I went to college at, it's called Valdosta, Georgia, and around there there's a bridge that's that people commonly call a Spook Bridge because of something with like witchcraft or something like that. I'm not exactly sure the story. I could tell you the story when it comes to the film itself. They say that there was a woman who owned certain land where Spook Bridge was, and then they unlawfully like kicked her out and burned her to the stake or something like that. And thus, oh my when god, the, when the when the Brit in the context of the movie, I can't confirm or deny it, that's the actual story. Uh, don't quote me on that. But um, right, but basically, you know. 
there was a, a cur- they built this bridge and there was like more or less a curse based on that bridge because it was built on her land and she like cursed the land or something like that. I, I'm letting you know right now, if I can find the, I have a DVD of it somewhere or I'm, I'm sure it's on like some streaming service. The, the acting is bad. I will be blunt. There's like, there's like one or two beautiful. Good, there's one or two good performances. There's like the sheriff. I actually had a chance to work with him on a different short film. And he was a, he was probably the best actor of the entire thing. Um, but there's that. Uh, the guy who made the film was very egotistical and had himself as top billing, even though he appeared at the beginning oh, and the end no. of the film. Uh, that He only appeared twice, and it was as himself for his little internet talk show that he does. Uh <laughs> Oh God, no! <laughs> and, and like that's like the crypt keeper, like <laughs> top billing himself. Exactly. And then on top of all that, like the story, the story is not good. Like it, it, it's it gets boring at times. Sadly, um, the practical effects are they they range from just bad to absolutely hilarious, and the ending just absolutely baffles you once you sit through the entire thing. Because like you watch it and you're like. Huh? No! That's no! What? Why? <laughs> Listen, man, I'm gonna be real with you. You told me the title Spook Bridge and you already <laughs> sold me. Like that that's that sounds right up my alley. I, 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 I have at least one horror story that was from the uh the filming of it that I had a friend who worked on there told me about. I won't divulge it because it's a little nasty when it comes to that horror story. But by oh, God, no. but by God, it, it is one of those like knowing the guy and some of the people that worked on it and such, I'm just like, good Lord, man. It was, it, it, it was an experience, but I'll tell you right now, the best way to watch it is with friends because when you guys are sitting around watching this thing, you guys can just roast the living crap out of it with each other. And just, like have a bl- just have a blast, just laughing about it. I got to find it and send it to you because it's something that I just want you to like experience and just be like, Good lord, man! <laughs> I don't. I don't want to divulge too much into the drama that happened with the Spook Bridge film, but right. is, is it fair to say it was kind of like a Tommy Wiseau with the room situation? For the most part, except the main guy, like I said, he had top billing, and he was only at the beginning at the end of it, but he didn't like insert himself throughout the entire film. So there was at least okay. that. There was at least all that. right. So there was a hint of self awareness. There was a hint of self awareness. Okay. Uh, but but still, it's one of those like I, I I just need to send. I need to find like a stream link. Dude, to if it. you can find it, absolutely. Okay. Like, I, <laughs> Anyways, we have divulged so far off the track. Yes, well, <laughs> welcome back to the Spook Bridge podcast. Wait, wait. Uh, welcome back to the Spook Bridge. Po- sorry, welcome back to the Spook Bridge podcast. Because that was one of the, like the there's like a judge at the, like the beginning of the film, and that's exactly the accent that he has. Oh and, my and that's, god, that's how slow he talks with it. Is like you mean to tell me that this land supposedly belongs to you? Like Jesus Christ, man, get to the fucking Cause, point. Because you're, okay, you're from you're from Georgia, yes, and I'm from Louisiana, like. Does it ever bother you when people just do the worst fucking Southern accent? (laughs) Like, you know what I'm talking about where it's like so obviously phony? Oh, no, absolutely. (laughs) I I know exactly what you're talking about right there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, they they expect me to talk like, oh, yeah, Boudreaux, Thibodeau, let's go over there. We go like like, like some like New Orleans back ass swamp drinker. Like 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 you're an extra from freaking swamp people. (laughs) Yeah, or like, oh, like, like, like a freaking duh. Oh my god. Okay. Oof. 
This is a funny story, and I'll tell it very quickly. I'm all for so, it. So, are you familiar with the television show Duck Dynasty? Of course I'm familiar with that show. So, I went to college at Louisiana Tech, which is in Ruston, Louisiana, oh. which is about 30 minutes outside of Monroe, which is where the Duck Dynasty, like, like company is. Like, right. right like, then they shoot that show. And I remember, because I was in college marching band, mm-hmm. um, we had to stand one football game at attention for 20 minutes straight. And I'll never forget this because I was holding a big ass tenor saxophone. Oh no. For just to stand there for before we performed. Just ladies and gentlemen, the stars of Duck Dynasty are here. And they bring them out, freaking these, you know, camo duck shooting freaks to come out and and wave to everybody. And we're all just standing there. Like, I felt bad. Like, the tuba and the drum players are just, like, you can see them, like, trembling. Like, oh, my God. Trying to, like, readjust their stuff to make sure they don't drop yeah. it. Just for these d- damn Duck Dynasty folks <laughs> to, like, wave. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, this, this is what qualifies as uh, celebrity culture. <laughs> Uh, it, this isn't exactly the same vein, but what was I going to say? There was a reality show that was going to be filmed around where I went to college at. I know because one of the people I went to school with actually got to be like a production assistant on the couple episodes that, that was made. Have you heard of the show called Grits? I have heard of Grits. Okay. AKA Girls Raised in the South. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was filmed like not too far from where I went to college at. And then it got, like, canceled after, like, what, two or three episodes? Because no one watched it. <laughs> oh, <God>. Yeah. <laughs> so, I I, I kind of understand, but at the same time, you had at least, like, I had a failed one. You had a successful one, so you had to suffer more. <laughs> you know what? I don't think there is any success in either of these situations. You know what? <laughs> it's, just, it's just a whole lot of failure. <laughs> Goodness. Uh... Going back, so so going back to the podcast a little bit. I, it's actually funny that you did mention up your podcast, uh, re recapitate, because that was actually one of the questions I was gonna have. So, uh, like creating that podcast as well as the terrible title talks, that goes back to like your love for radio and podcast stuff. What exactly decided to inspire you to just be like, you know what, I just need to go out and just do this myself. Well, it's weird because there was always that sort of inkling to just want to do it. And I think it was mainly during the time when I was working, like doing the radio stuff, I was just kind of like, okay, I have these skills now. I want to do my thing. Um, Cause let's be honest. I didn't want to just, you know, be around to just talk about, you know, LSU football all the time. Um, but like, yeah, I just was basically just like, I want to do my own thing. So I started off like, you know, I like I like horror movies a lot. Let me see if I can get some friends to do that. It started off with just a few close friends, and then kind of I took the risk and like branched out to a couple people I was like a fan of, which is in hindsight it was such a weird premise for a show because I was like chatting with internet creators mm-hmm. about horror movies, which is like it didn't really make sense, but somehow it worked in a way. You know what I mean? Because like. It was fun. It was fun to have like a comedy podcast talking about scary stuff. You know what I mean? Right. That's absolutely. what was fun about it. Yeah. Um, sorry, but um, really that was kind of it. Was just like, and then like terribly titled talks, like which you know I've done a grand total of three episodes of that. Um, 
yeah, shattering world records here. But um, it, it was basically just like, well, fuck it, I'm just going to do my... Well, Recapitate ended... Because Recapitate ended um, literally right before um, uh, the production of Hasbro Hotel started. Okay. Because I was just like, I, there's no way I can handle all this. So... <laughs> I, I, and I was just supposed to just be like hiatus. Like, oh, we're just going on hiatus. And then it, I ended it because I'm like, well, I mean, that, now this is my life, you know, helping make this this show. Um, yeah, there you go. Uh, and then I was just like, well, you know what? I had this downtime in between you know, after has been and before Farfetch stuff. Mm-hmm. I was like, I would like to start doing some radio stuff again. So I'm like, well, let me make my own show. And I did uh, three episodes so far. And now I'm too busy again to do more episodes <laughs> it's like the same cycle um so i don't know i tend i tend to overfill my palate which is why i probably sleep like a rock every night <laughs> it's just 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 because i'm exhausted but yeah no i mean i don't blame you and hey when it comes to terrible titles talks you say you joke around about being you know groundbreaking and stuff but i say it's probably one of the most groundbreaking because the fact that it's one of the first podcasts catered, catered towards squids. Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> That's right. It's squids only. Squids only, which I'm surprised I was able to find it. I figured that stuff would be a little bit more closed circuit, but, you know, you do your own thing, mate. <laughs> what, one of my favorite things, and I, I want to, like, get delve into more on the show, because there's a very sort of small kind of, like, weird ARG aspect to that podcast about, mm-hmm. like, the, the they company and, like, sort of all the podcasts being on like found cassette tapes and stuff. Um, I want to explore that more and I do have kind of a thing with it. The only problem is that it's, it's weird to kind of orchestrate when you like, cause I have different guests, right? Right. And you can't, you can't really like expect different guests to know kind of what you're doing with this thing behind the scenes. So I kind of have to play it out on my own front and kind of work off of what I do. So, um, it's another example of me putting in way too much work when I should really just hey, it shouldn't, shouldn't you just talk to people? It's like no, I gotta make, I gotta have giant squid attacks and shit. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean hey, it's that it's the production of it that has that nice little charm to it more than anything else. So that means you have to find a way to import a giant squid from the Pacific Ocean to your house to get the most authentic sound to get the proper podcast. Go for it, man! That that like that creativity flow. <laughs> My- my my favorite thing too is that like I, I got just want to boost my own thing, but like I loved that transition so much, and I I was so giddy when I got it right between the 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 giant squid scream and then just the Andrew WK Cartoon Network song because yes. I knew I knew I had to end the podcast on that after the conversation with Maxwell. Oh yeah, talking about basically how you know that was the beginning of the end for you know yep. Cartoon Network stuff. Which is sad because like I really like Andrew WK. I yeah. know he just did that for I know he just did that for a paycheck, but he is never going to be able to like separate it, like with the downfall of like that that small window of Cartoon Network's downfall yeah. he'll always be associated with. I, I do want to say though in his defense kind of the show that he did Destroy Build Destroy it would have been much more loved if it wasn't like signaling the end of Cartoon, Dude, Cartoon if, Network. If that show had been on like Discovery Channel or right! something people probably would have like it probably would have come on after Mythbusters and people would have loved it exactly like I genuinely think because he's a very entertaining guy he is like dude yeah seriously fuck I should have been a 
I should have pitched that. If they had done like <laughs> Mythbusters, because I was a huge Mythbusters fan. Oh, who um, isn't? <laughs> if they had done like Mythbusters followed by Destroy, Build, Destroy, people would have ate that shit up. Exactly. Like, God damn it. But no, it had to be Cartoon Network trying to bring in yep. live action to their stuff. Dude, what would happen if we took all the cartoons off Cartoon Network? <laughs> <laughs> well, so didn't didn't Maxwell say that at one point they were considering renaming it to Children's Network instead of just Cartoon yes. Network? Yes, yes, he did. Uh, which is something for sure. I'm glad they didn't go with that, but still. <laughs> I mean, Cartoon Network has definitely recovered, but oh, uh, the, it de- no, that was the the little dip. It, it it definitely has, and then some. Although I I remember when there like a call early this year to where they said they're thinking about delving back into the live action stuff. I could be wrong on that. I, I heard that somewhere. I could be very wrong. And I'm here's the I'm thing: it's like if they wanted to experiment with like one or maybe even two shows, but keep their normal block of cartoons and animations. You know what? I think I'd be okay. Like just experimenting, yeah. right? But like, it's it, the problem was is that they went full into like making all these shows and like all at once. The problem was they didn't ease people into it if they're gonna try it. Also, if your channel's called Cartoon Network, it's supposed to be about cartoons. It should just be obvious. It's one of those. I feel like it would have been, it would have been received a little bit better if they had stuck with what was it, the the inside Jimmy's head or whatever, the, the one about the dude who had like the cartoonist brain, the one that was the blend of live action and cartoon. Oh so- my god, he just brought up the, a weird repressed memory. <laughs> Show. Like, if they had started with just that and then ease, like, one or two of the other ones in there, I feel like it would have received a lot better. But it's like, nope, fuck your cartoons. We're going back to – we're going to go live action. Here's Andrew WK smashing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the problem was is that, like, that was, like – it was a really – in hindsight, it was kind of a dope promo for the whole thing. Oh, yeah. But when you figure out, like, what it was for, it's, like, very depressing. Absolutely. It's like – like, imagine if, like – Metallica was like playing the uh, the burning down of your childhood mall. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like it's like like it's like yeah, this is cool, but also this sucks. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, uh, in the same vein, if it was to be broadcast somewhere, I'm pretty sure the music would have been muted because otherwise they would have copyright claimed themselves. <laughs> I dude, that Metallica Twitch thing was the funniest thing. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm glad they you had to exactly play like mini versions of their own songs and stuff. I just could not believe that. Uh, that uh, I mean, to be fair, like Lars himself kind of dug his own grave with that one because listen, that was <laughs> Lars getting his comeuppance for killing Napster. There you go. Right? That's exactly what it was. That's exactly what it was. Jesus Christ, <laughs> it, it sucks because I love Kirk Hammett, but Lars Ulrich can eat a eat a shoe. <laughs> like, oh goodness, this has been a great conversation so far. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try to get back to the, to the road I have. Yes, <laughs> we, yeah, sorry. We, we, we've divulged into so many different aspects of like the content creation that you've made, but I think it's time to divulge into the big one that a lot of people should know you for, and that's Starter Squad. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, has Starter been, Squad does have a big audience, I it, will say. It does, have a, it does have a surprisingly good audience. I didn't even realize that until I saw that you were credited for it. I'm like, oh. Okay, cool. <laughs> but a lot more people will probably know you as, like I said in the intro, the co-writer of the Hasman Hotel pilot. I just want to know, how did you get involved with the project in the first place? Uh, basically, I met Vivian, the creator, uh, and we became friends at 
I believe it was MAGFest 2016. Okay. I can't remember if it was 2015. I, I want to say 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, is what and, and we met and we just kind of you know became friends and hit it off and um, just at some point after that she kind of just we were just like messaging and she just said hey I'm trying to write this like little uh show about these characters from hell i have that you want to like kind of help me out right again i was like yeah sounds fun and then um our other friend ray got on board um and we uh and it turned into uh going from like this little kind of idea with these characters to this 32 minute pilot um that took you know two years to make um which you know and then we kind of went all out for like i i got i went all in on helping with the production of everything um and basically you know like my i moved to i moved to la for it so um there you go uh and here's the thing man and i've said this before like none of us even though like you know <laughs> i said this from the beginning with has been uh has been is the kind of thing that people i knew from the start were either going to love or hate right. there was not going to be any middle ground it's just kind of one of those things but i mean i thought what we had was good i thought it was like entertaining you know i i'm proud of it none of us could have ever predicted for it to you know have the impact it's had how big it's gotten in the zeitgeist and everything and it's still kind of it's it's still mind-blowing to me to this day that so many people still like like dude like i see fan art of it on twitter every time i log in it's insane (laughs) like you you were we were talking earlier about like these feelings of like um like is it weird like um about like with the humility and everything yeah it's fucking weird because like <laughs> when, when when you see like so many people be in like it love and inspire something you help bring to life it's fucking weird like uh I, I don't know and, and it's it's wonderfully humbling and it's amazing and I see so many talented people like I said every day like that are inspired by it and but like it is weird, um, yeah. and I mean, I'm very, I'm very, very thankful. Like, I'm extremely thankful to Viv and to the rest of the team, like you know, for allowing me to be such a part of it. But like, uh, I don't know. It, it's always going to be part of my life, um, and uh, it, it's very, it, it is very weird. Like, it, 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 it changed my life. Like, good in more way, in more ways than one. But, um. It definitely changed my life, and uh, I'm very, very thankful for it. So well, that's that's good to hear. I mean, especially you know at this point forward, even though you're invested in the other thing, which we'll talk about in a second. Like, I imagine you're still like you know right there, like basically rooting for Viv at this point in that whole entire Spindle Horse team with everything they're doing at this point forward. Because I can only imagine. Like, especially now that they know that there's an audience for it and the love and support that's behind it, I can only imagine the pressure they're already starting to feel with make sure they deliver at this point forward. Well, they, they look, they've been absolutely knocking it out of the park. Oh, abs- absolutely. And, uh, I'm very, very, because I, I have a lot of friends who are involved in the making of that show, and I'm very proud of all of them. And I'm, I'm very, very happy that, you know, it's, it's doing so well and, um, you know, it's awesome to see that so many people enjoy it. Like, it, it's like the same thing. Um, uh, it's it's very weird, like with has been because it is, and like with the whole A twenty four thing, because it's like it's kind of unsure, like what's gonna happen. You know, at this point, and I, I'm very 
interested, you know, just as much as everybody else to see what'll happen, you oh, know? Because, yeah. um, like, you know, I'm very excited to see what happens with these characters and kind of the stories and stuff from from where it goes, you know? Yeah, because I imagine, at least for you, with, with, with how much you invested in it, trying to help create the pilot and bring it to life, like, I can only imagine, it, it's almost like, you know, it's almost like if, if you were to take your rat and then give it to, like, the zoo and see it, like, perform, and you'd be like, I'm so proud of it, I can't <laughs> wait to see what's next! That, and that's that's it, is that, like, you know, because I still, I, I still, I love the characters and oh, absolutely. You know, the, the story and, like, you know, obviously, having it been, like, you know, three years ago, there are some, like, like if I could go back and, like, you know, rewrite some things on the pilot, yes, I would, you know, like, all you could do is grow, right? Um, and if you don't, well, then you know you've got Benjamin Button disease. But like, um, but but overall, it's like like I'm still you know I, I'm I'm very proud of it, and I'm I'm like I said I'm very excited to see where it goes next. Um, yeah. Is there a moment during the process of making the pilot and such, or like in the pilot itself, is there a moment that you can like stand proudly and be like, this is my finest moment, this is my signature of this pilot? Uh, hmm. Yes, yes. Uh, that was actually probably when I wrote the lyrics and came up with the the uh, like the melody demo for the Alistair Reprise. Ooh, that was um, okay. Okay. Uh, and I got to, I basically kind of like I wrote the lyrics, hummed out the tune I kind of wanted, and then I sent it to Perry Grip, and he turned it into the full song, obviously. But basically, getting it to come up with that whole like reprise song was probably the most proud I am of that pilot. I mean, know. I mean, you should be. I mean, imagine for you trying to make that thing, you must have thought in your head, "You have a dream." You wish yeah, because Viv, Viv, Viv and I were very much on the same wavelength. Like, we wanted to go for a very kind of like New Orleans swing jazz inspired reprise of the the Charlie song, mm-hmm. but uh, I was very kind of in tune with that writing wise, and it's kind of what i grew up around so um it, it was a lot of fun also the fact that because of that so i got to put the word cesspool into that pilot uh which is probably my the crowning it the, the the that is the facetious crowning achievement is putting <laughs> the word cesspool into the pilot um and then there are a lot of jokes i still think that are like like i, I you know people uh, a question i get a lot that i'm sure um a lot of the other members of the has team get is like what is your favorite joke in the pilot and it's actually uh it's one people for me that i expect um it's when uh charlie and katie killjoy are fighting in the news station oh yeah and you see tom trench run by on fire just screaming (laughs) why won't anyone help me uh just bluntly like that that is like because i've seen the pilot like a hundred times right right that is the one part that still gets a smirk out of me whenever i rewatch it like uh, from just like even even though I've seen it a hundred times, because it's just the combination of like the joke and then Tomar's delivery are just so good. Oh, so, you know, that that's that's um, a, it's a gem of a moment right there. <laughs> Tomar's super super talented and kind too. So shout out to him. Uh, there we go. <laughs> thanks 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 for buying me a beer that one time when we when I didn't have any money. <laughs> and that happened, but. <laughs> uh, Oh goodness! No, I mean, it, it's with all you described again. You know, I, you know, the 
I can only imagine just how amazing the whole entire experience must have been, and especially seeing the stuff that you helped create being loved and appreciated so far. And I imagine you were hoping for a similar reaction, although it's kind of already happened with your newest project that you're currently working on with Ashley Nichols and others. Uh, Far-fetched. How did this idea come to be? Well, funny enough, um, in both instances with has-been and far-fetched, um, so one of the thing one of the things they had in common with me being involved is that uh, aspects of them were already kind of um, come up with by uh, you know Viv for Hasbin and uh, Ashley for Farfetch'd. Mm -hmm. Like Viv had had her like the Hasbin characters designs and stuff for a long time. When I came in, it was to help like create the story and the character like right. you know personalities and stuff. Same thing kind of half happened for Farfetch'd, mm -hmm. where uh, Ashley had had um, Rue and Kira for since she was a kid, like uh, old Deviant Art OCs. As she, and that's her saying that, not me. I'm not giving her a hard time. Right, um, right. Um, and then Quinn, she's had for a few years. Um, but then when I joined in uh, as the co-creator, we kind of gave them, we figured out their actual personalities and then came up with all the other characters together. Um, so it was a kind of thing where, um, cause what had happened was, is that the, the, uh, um, the original, the little proof of concept short had been in the works for a while. Mm -hmm. And this was back when has was like kind of at the very like end of production. Like I was in the midst of, um, at the time, basically helping with uh, supervising production and basically organizing all the like animation Swift files and stuff for the final product mm -hmm. um, combined. And then Ashley had asked if I wanted to help her write this little short she was doing, okay. which at the time was, which at the time was called hell puppy. Um, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, sure. You know, it, because she was a friend and uh, um, it seemed like fun. And uh, so I got in on that way. And then, we kind of did that thing, and then after has been kind of, you know, it, it finished up. Uh, I moved back home for personal reasons uh, during the pandemic. Uh, I kind of reached out to Ashley, and I was like, hey, did we ever want to, like, kind of, like, experiment around with that show again? And then we just full-on explosion of going from this very simple idea, which in that, which is why it is now, it's just called the proof of concept short. Because uh, although it is like, you know, it's very cute. We like it. It's not fully at all represent, re representative of what the show is going to be. And people will see that in the next, like the big short we're working on right now, um, which is like eight minutes long. Okay. Um, uh, I mean, obviously elements like characters, but um, it's uh, basically we figured out all this stuff this whole story, all these characters, kind of the tone we wanted to go for, and we just went all in to the point where we, you know, uh, we wrote this short. Like, we, we were working on this also, the pilot, and we kind of know where we're like, we want to take most of this story. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just exploded, basically. Like, And so for the last, like, I want to say since last June, I believe... Mm -hmm. We've been working on this stuff, like just uh, like like basically coming up with this world. So it's been almost a year. Yeah. Um, and uh, we have, in the process, uh, hired and befriended a wonderful team of extremely talented and awesome people. 
Um, some I have known for a while. Some I am just coming to know. And it's a pleasure to work with them every day. Um, they put up with my bullshit. Um, uh, and I, um, and I, I'm so excited. Like, I, I got that feeling. Like, it's very much like reminiscent of that feeling I had when we were working on Has Been, where it's like, I'm just so excited for people to see this, you know? And, you know, I hope they like it. But, like, you know, that's all you can do is hope. Um, but I, I, I'm very proud of it. I will say that. I will say is that I genuinely, I'm very proud of what we've done with this because I think it's a very good representation in about eight minutes oh, yeah. of, um, it's a very good representation of the tone, uh, what the characters are like and kind of the style of the show all in one. I think every character, as you'll get to see, they get their time to shine. You get to learn about them. The tone of the show is, it's very much a horror comedy. Um, which is not a surprise, um, considering I'm, you know, involved. <laughs> but uh, um, it's very much like it, the way I could describe it is because it's very much a combination of Ashley and I's interests. There we go. Um, it's it's. I mean, you can kind of see by, like you said, you, you were very kind to buy the poster. You can see kind of by that. It's very um, uh, for Ashley because she has a she loves that sort of like pastel kind of goth ex uh, aesthetic mm -hmm. and I'm all about like you know 70s and 80s horror and comedy and so like like we joke as a joke we said like the show is kind of like Ghostbusters for DeviantArt users <laughs> like we said that as a joke um, obviously it's extremely simplified but like um, it, that if that kind of makes sense where it's like it's yes these characters are very kind of like you know um they're fought like late 2000s kind of inspired personalities, mm -hmm. but stuck in the world of something like a, uh, a like an 80s horror movie, which right. I think is very fun. Like, but like I God, what is the? It's like um, what be? It's like Panic at the Disco meets Camp Crystal Lake. <laughs> like, like, like uh, you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> it's it's weird. I, I I'm gonna admit it's weird, but I think. We've got it to a point where it works. So um, I'm excited because I think because not only I mean, obviously, the show is a comedy is, you know, uh, jokes, but there's a lot of like really uh, there's a lot of like fun horror and over the top action stuff that I'm very excited for. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll stop. <laughs> no, no, trust me. I've just been amazed because you've basically gone through most of the questions I had about it. <laughs> oh, God. No, no, no. That, uh, that is perfectly fine. That's what I wanted. I mean, it's one of those good that I didn't have to talk about because I could tell just by what you're talking about alone, like the passion you have for this project. I can only imagine, especially considering the fact that, you know, you guys, you said it yourself, you've been working on this thing for at least a good bit, almost a year at this point, like really all in on it. And so the, the fact that it's, it's developing more into this basically beautiful beastly matchup of, you know, if, if Ash Williams was the lead singer of my chemical romance or something like that, you know? Yeah. You know what? <laughs> You're not too far off. Cause like, uh, cause I mean, like I said, you can see by the poster cause the characters are in, the, are in a band, Sesamoid. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, they go around and the whole joke. I mean, and like you said, your your uh, your friend who helps out with your show, who's a uh, dude. I gotta tell you this, and it was so funny. Go for it. Because uh, 
you know, the gang go around in the old broken ice cream truck, pop a swirl right in the show. Right. It took so long. I was so ecstatic. Finally, somebody on Twitter connected was like, is this supposed to be a killer clowns reference? I was like, yes. <laughs> like, 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 and it was like one person got it, even though like everybody's seen the design and stuff. And I was so happy. Like, um, <laughs> Because that, yeah, it, it is supposed to be a, a, a little bit of a homage to Killer Clowns Matter Space. Right. Um, but we, uh, you know, your friend and my friend Jane is the one who actually designed the mascot head for Papa Swirl. Really? That, and wait, I told sorry, sorry, her. Sorry, time out. Jane Gumball? Yes, yes. Oh, yes. Okay, awesome. And you can kind of tell because I told her, especially in the eyes, I said, I want you to make it look as like creepy as pop with the eye the pupils being far apart and i told her like think flapjack essentially um <laughs> and she knocked it out of the park um because it because like oh man like i can't i can't spoil obviously stuff for the show but like right. um the ice cream truck is just it's so dumb because like basically the, the band is the, the guys are so poor that they um they have to instead of because you would expect a show like this, like they have a van, right? Right. No, they're so poor they can't afford a van. They have to get an old ice cream truck, <laughs> and so in this they have all their equipment scattered around like old swirl machines and stuff <laughs> in the show. So, um, I think that'll be like a nice little like spin slash parody on that like kind of genre trope. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's one of those like just. Just what little we have seen. Cause I've been on board with this since I saw the initial Hell Puppy uh, pencil animatic. Whenever I first saw that, like that was like absolutely wonderful. So like to see it just growing and snowballing to the point to where it is now, and to see that it still has a good bit to go and the potential possibilities with it. Like, dude, you guys got something amazing on your hands, and I I'm hotly anticipating what's coming next for you guys. I was going to say, not only do I have the poster whenever it dropped, I actually got the, uh, the, the purple, uh, one second, the purple hoodie or whatnot that she put on the store or whatnot. Oh yeah. 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 I got that one too, but it's like, you know, the, like it's absolutely amazing what you guys have already developed so far with it. And like, I, for, for those that are just like curious and like have no idea what in the world I'm talking about, what we're talking about, what should they expect for what's ne for what you guys are developing? So what I can say, for, as far as what we'll expect, um, like I said, we are currently heavy in production itself um, for this. It's so it's such a catch twenty two to call it a big short, you know, like because it just <laughs> that just means a medium basically. But um, <laughs> you know, it would be a medium. It's like like this is sort of a pre pilot essentially we're working on right now. Mm -hmm. It's about seven and a half to eight minutes of. Um, like, you know, you'll meet all the rest of the main characters, mm -hmm. kind of get a, a, a sort of taste of what the tone of the show is like. And then we're going to be working on the full big pilot. Okay. Um, and then after that, if people like it, we'll try to make more with, you know, however we go about it, whether that be like, you know, uh, working our butts off or crowdfunding or whatever it is. It, de it depends on basically how it does, you know. Uh, we're trying to be realistic about things, but right, um, right. no matter what, you're going to get a, for right now, you're going to get an eight minute medium and you're going to get a pilot. And if people like it and want to see more, then we'll try to make more. So, 
There we go. I was going to say two things real quickly. One, a medium actually would be like the, a good proper name for it. Cause that kind of like, if you think about a medium, like, you know, the ghost spooky stuff, I think that would line right up perfectly hey, with it. There you go. That's a good, you know what? I'm going to tell Ashley that. That's what I'm going to call it. Um, um, but, uh, no, go ahead. So the second thing I was going to say is I've had her on the podcast. I don't know if you've heard of her. You probably have Hannah Daigle. Does that name ring a bell to you? Yes. She okay. is the creator of a uh, Satina. Right. Correct? Right. Exactly. For their company, scum house, like going forward, like what you're talking about is kind of what they're doing with any tunes that they produce as well. Kind of have that little teaser, like five, eight minute, you know, short or medium in this case. And then if it gets enough attention, go forward with the, the big, you know, pilot first number one episode. So, right. Cause that's kind of what that's awesome. Yeah. That, no, that's, that's what, awesome. Yeah. That's what worked with say Tina. It's like, they want to keep doing that. And they did that with uh naughty boys, which was absolutely wonderful. Um, I don't know if you saw that one or not, but you know, the, the voice acting and the, the style that they had for it was wonderful, but that's kind of what you guys are going to go for with uh far fetch. Again, I'm, I can be nothing short of excited for what's going to be next. So, well, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. I mean, I'm just, like I said, I'm just in this mood right now where we're just, you know, uh, yeah, doing a lot of work, but I, I, I'm very excited for people to see it. Like I'm chopping at the bit. Cause like we've dropped, like we, we try to drop hints, like on the Twitter and stuff like, of, uh, like showing some like early story. Cause we don't want to give to, it's very weird. Cause like I'm the kind of person who's like, I'm very private about the actual production of things, but right. I also want to drop like hints to get people excited, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's what we've kind of done. We dropped a couple storyboards that like are, which is funny is that like, the storyboards we've dropped have mostly just been kind of like sort of goofier reaction shots. And then I'm hoping when people see the actual show, they're going to be like, Oh, that's not what I expected at all. <laughs> that's what I'm hoping. Um, but we'll see. I mean, if, especially with the amount of love and in, in like pride, if, if that is showcase from what you're expelling, if that is showcase at any point within that short, I, I could see it do nothing but like successful. Cause like, dude, seriously, like I, the, I, I've said this a million times before, but like the, what you guys have already dropped so far, it's gotten me. And I know several others already like anticipating what's going to be next. So I know most of us are going to be chopping at the bit at any little taste that we can get all these people to disappoint. Very <laughs> uh, there we go. Well, now it comes to the point of the podcast where I like to to bust out, you know, the dream scenario. Let's say I am, I sorry, let's say I'm Big Shot Mr. Moneybags. I come to you, I'm like, look, Dave, everything that you've done has just been nothing short of golden. Like, love everything that you've worked on, love what you're going to be working on. Let's say I have access to anyone and everyone, as well as, in, like, exceedingly too many funds to produce the dream Dave Captaville project i think i already know the answer but what is your answer what would be the dream dave captaville project well mr legally named mr moneybags mm-hmm. i uh i mean it shouldn't be a surprise i want to make a feature length uh like horror comedy film i mean that's that shouldn't be a surprise but mm-hmm. uh like like a live action film but um and trust me, I have plenty of <laughs> scripts and ideas that I've wanted to do for a long time. There you go. Um, but that that would probably be it um, for okay. sure. Um, and that's something I actually do plan to do no matter what. Right. Um, which is like, you know, I'm hoping that with things like, you know, has been and Farfetch behind me, 
as as I work forward, I'll be able to grow kind of credibility and connections to be able to like you know raise funds to do this kind of thing. Because um, I, I just want to make something like that's like really you know of that sort of like kind of eighties sort of fun over the top you know kind right. of Evil Dead Two esque kind of thing. Yeah, that would probably definitely be the dream. I'm surprised. I thought it would have been Alf the Musical. Um... <laughs> Listen, Alf the Musical. That, that, that. You know what's funny is that like I, I joked about the Alf thing for so long that it's gotten to a point where like I've actually kind of uh, like what was ironic. I've kind of okay. I need to explain the Alf thing real quick because it's such a weird conundrum. So it started off with the fact because Alf was a show that I would watch with my dad when I was younger because he was a big fan of it. Right. So there's sort of sort of a wholesome origin of that, mm-hmm. and then it turned into like because like what's just something goofy that I could just pick on Alf, right? <laughs> so it went from this ironic thing to back into genuine love, mm-hmm. and now it's buried under so much mixed emotion <laughs> that I don't even know what I think of it anymore. <laughs> like I, I I'm just like. You know what? I'm. I don't know. Like I, I. I anytime there's an Alf thing. Also, this is the funniest fucking thing too. To this day, mm-hmm. out of everything, has been far fetched horror movies. The thing I get tagged in the most by people on Twitter is Alf stuff. <laughs> there, there. Genuinely, this is this is not a joke. There was a person who, and I believe they had to have been like, you know like 16 or something mm-hmm. they added me on twitter uh like and said like how cause, oh because i was doing like a uh a, a twitter q a kind of thing right mm-hmm. and some person they just asked how did you come up with the character of alf <laughs> and i was like, I, like, <laughs> like, like and i was like oh no i've gone too far with this bit like time time to back off for for a little while oh good like they had to have been like young or something. Yeah. Like, uh, I I didn't realize but, on top and, of all the other accolades, I was talking to the creator of Alf. I'm so sorry. I should have done more research. Yes, and it is I, uh, Paul Fusco in the flesh. There you go. I do want to, though. I will say, like genuinely, I think the ultimate payoff for the Alf thing. I would very much like to interview the creator of Alf on my podcast. Oh, absolutely. I think that would be a proper payoff for the whole bit. Mm-hmm. I, I, the I, thing is that, like, I would genuinely be interested to talk to him. Like, <laughs> like, the, like, just if nothing else, like, especially with, like, on top of it being a payoff, like, I would just love to know, like, w- like, what in his mind, like, wanted him to, like, make such a concept. Because it seems, like, so, like, out there that it can only be done by a very specific individual. So I have to know what his mindset was when he went forward to do this. So <laughs> yeah, it, it makes you wonder. And it's so weird. Cause a lot of people still think that, uh, Alf is a Jim Henson cre- creation. He's not actually. Right. Yeah. Cause it's one of those, like people instantly associate puppets with Jim Henson, but no, there are other puppeteers out there. Yeah, exactly. Hell, you were working with one with Maxwell, technically. <laughs> I well, actually no. What's very cool is that uh, Jaden, the pup, the main puppeteer who was part of Dead Meat with us, mm-hmm. he actually graduated from the Jim Henson Academy, which is oh, really cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, he was very cool. He also voices Colin, the uh, uh, cherub in Hell of a Boss. Wait, so whoa, what? Oh yeah, my yeah, god! Yeah, dude, that's he's, awesome. He's a, he's, a, he's a super cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
That's awesome. I didn't realize that. Holy crap. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I respect that. Major respect. <laughs> there you go. For the, the people that are looking for, you know, has been hell of a boss facts that you didn't know beforehand. There you go. If you, if you wanted that, <laughs> the more, you know, rainbow to appear above your head, this is your moment. <laughs> the more, you know, there you go. I'll have to find some way to edit that in. Um, <laughs> uh, well, now that we've gotten through the dream scenario, let's let's focus a little back on reality. Where do you hope to see yourself, say, five, ten years from now? You know, it's actually really funny mm-hmm. that you you did this question right after you asked me the dream question, because mm. I have a tweet that I said in five years I will have started making a live action horror movie that I made last year. Okay. And so now I've kind of put myself into a position and I, cause I said, I hope this tweet ages well, as in I better do it by the time it's been five years past this tweet, at least have started. You know what I mean? All, all that we know is that in at least five years from now, you're either going to be part of well-aged tweets or poorly aged tweets. Like <laughs> as long as I have at least mixed a bucket of fake blood, then I'll, I'll be, I'll be safe. Like I wasn't a hypocrite. There you go. <laughs> but yeah. but yes, like honestly, I would. But all to say, I would like to be doing that. I would like to um. I'd, I'd like to hopefully kind of be starting to settle down at that point with something comfortable as a career. Um, with this, um, like have my own place, you know, ideally with a partner, right? Um, and just like you know, kind of whether it's you know whatever I'm working on at the time, having that you know pay my house note or whatever you know um I, it's funny because like you know i'm out in california mm-hmm. um i don't I, I really don't think i would ever want to settle in la even if my job was here because um i don't know i'm just not a there's a lot of things about la i just don't like for from a like a, a living standpoint right but um uh i mean i might if 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 work makes me stay here then yes obviously but I would like to ideally be somewhere uh, a lot cooler. And I mean that temperature wise, not like epic skater wise. Um, <laughs> like uh, I would love to live where someone, cause my favorite dude, the genuinely the, the one time of year I'm happy is from September to November. So um, I would like somewhere where fall is actually a season Oh no, trust me. I know exactly. I, again, being, you know, you're from, you know, you're from Louisiana. I'm from Georgia. I know exactly what you mean with that September mm-hmm. to November, just time frame or whatnot. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. So I'd like to settle somewhere a lot more kind of cool, kind of like, um, I suppose it's rural, not like Louisiana rural, but like, um, I guess it's like, um, would it be like northeast around like the like the Jersey area okay. and stuff like, not not like you know not like the boardwalk like crazy junky Jersey area, but like like the like the back the Pinewood area yeah. is what I'm kind of, I'm infatuated with that part of the United States. So, so I was gonna say somewhere like a you know Jersey Pennsylvania somewhere in that like middle but not all yeah, the way up northeast, yeah. like Newgrounds County. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I, I was going to say, it's funny that you mentioned, like, or at least I mentioned Pennsylvania. There's a uh, a podcast that's part of my podcast network, Stranger Than Christian. It's not a religious podcast. It's the guy's literally named Christian. But um, Oh, okay. Like Stranger <laughs> Than Fiction? Is yeah, it, is exactly. That it's, okay. That's exactly yeah. what it's a play on. But, but, like, literally, he brings on strangers 
to his podcast every single week and just talks with them for at least an hour or so that that's another like double entendre, you know, thing or whatnot. But like, he's in Pennsylvania, he's from Connecticut, but he's in Pennsylvania, like doing the recording and all that stuff like that. So I, if you need a reference, I could try to get to him, but I can't guarantee anything. <laughs> hey, you know what? If, if he knows a place that is renting, well, sure. That'd be cool. I appreciate it. <laughs> I mean, he, he was in hospitality. He was working at like a hotel for like the longest time. So it's one of those, he would know the area fairly well. So yeah, but like we say these things and like, I don't know. It could be five years from now and I could be like so swamped up in work that I'm not even thinking about going somewhere else. It, it's hard to tell, you right. know, especially with, as we know, with last year, how unpredictable everything is. Dude, you're, you're, you're telling me I, my, my entire 24th year of my existence was just chaos more or less. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 uh, yeah, let me, let me tell you, man, uh, my 26th year of, which was the year that like my brain finished cooking and anxiety hit me like a freight train uh, combined with a global pandemic was a, uh, that's a smoothie. I don't recommend drinking. I'll say, you know, I, I I'm not a big fan of smoothies anyway. So I, I hope not. To yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh goodness. But as we're winding down the interview, I, I have one last question that I want to ask. Obviously, you know, you're deeply entrenched when it comes to art on so many different aspects, you know, filmmaking, animation, mu- you know, music making, all this different kind of stuff. How important is art not just for you, but for the world as a whole? Oh, it's extremely important. In fact, I would not to be I don't want to end this podcast on a depressing note, but like, right. I, I don't know if I could see a reason to go on if there wasn't art in this world i'll be real um because like I, actually this kind of mirrors what we were talking about at the very beginning mm-hmm. about how like um art is kind of what um separates us not only as a species but like uh it just gives us kind of a reason to to live like to the human experiment to try something new you know outside of, like outside of the mundane you know mm-hmm. um just like you know which do you want to i don't know Obviously, like, I have no animosity towards anybody who works just the normal nine to five, you know, but you have to do it. But, like, you know, just that experimentation of, like, you know, just making something that will outlive you. That's what you all want. And that, and you know what? That's It's kind of funny because it's, like, I, I guess in a way you could compare art to children in a way where it's, like, I think the whole human experience in a way is just trying to make something much like a child that will outlive you, you know? Um, yeah. so, uh, that's why I make Alf jokes. <laughs> uh, you know what? I couldn't have worded it any better. Um, with, with that, that's all the questions I really have. Um, I've already showered you with enough praise, but I'm going to do it some more cause it's my podcast. I do what I want. Oh God. Uh, now, like I said before, you know, seeing just how much, influence you have like even in just a few years with all the the things you've had your creative ventures in with your fingers basically with, with how much you've helped developed and the stuff that you've created as well it, it's it's absolutely all inspiring as someone that is trying to be a creator as such as a filmmaker and wanting to do this kind of stuff as well like you're someone that i would love to eventually model myself after like when it comes to producing stuff like i i it's incredible to see what you're doing right now. And like, consider the fact that, you know, you're not slowing down anytime soon. I can, you know, 
with the stuff that you're already producing it, it's and now that i actually got a chance to sit down and chat with you it, it's been absolutely incredible just to hear your story see where you come from see where you go and I, i'm be one of thousands millions probably at this point that's gonna be right there by your side rooting for you every single step of the way because if this is what you're doing now and this is what you've already made and what's coming in the shorthand future i can only anticipate just the incredible stuff you can develop when you know when the time comes so thank you for everything that you've done so far and i i, I appreciate everything that you've done well look man that you're very very kind and you're very professional and i really appreciate your time and having me because this has been a lot of fun and uh it, it no it, it means a lot you're very very kind uh, trust me, you're not the only one that's thankful. I'm thankful that you know I could have just a, even a, a little ounce of your time, just to sit no, down. No, of and course. Chat. So. No, I, I love I love doing podcasts like this because I love chatting with people and you know letting you know I I love just talking to other creators anyway. So this is a lot of fun. There you go. Well, if that's the case, if you ever want a chance to talk on another random podcast, there's an open open invitation for you to come back anytime. So. I mean, Jane, yeah. I'll say Jane already took me up on that offer. I actually just recorded that episode, what was it, a couple weeks ago. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, very nice. Yeah, I'd love to come back. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, I know I shouldn't have to, but go ahead and plug yourself for the people at home. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I, You know what I usually do is mm -hmm. I usually just uh, I just tell people to follow Gary Busey on Twitter. <laughs> Is he even on Twitter? <laughs> he is on Twitter, and all he does is complain about like Sea World and stuff. Oh Jesus! Like, like uh, <laughs> um, I mean, uh, if you, oh, God, uh, you could just find me Dave Captainville and everything. That's what there I say. Go. Like, really, I, I don't go by any aliases. It's just me. There uh, you go. But also follow Gary Busey on Twitter. You won't be. You will be entertained. I promise. I'll have to. I'll have to do that now. Thank. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> do you have any final words before we sign off? Uh, yes, I would say that, um, uh, the question I, I would leave the, the audience wondering is that is 0% milk, water, or air? And you could just end it there, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, as much as I'd love to end it there, I at least want to say to everyone at home and to the squids, if they want to hear this as well, hasta luego, mi amigos. <laughs> I like to trail off with some confusion. Tell me what's wrong, tell me it's parts and motion. Give me a song, tell me your eyes can't all open. Show me it all, give me up in the car, you don't want. You used to call, show me it all. Thanks for listening to the Apocalypse Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, go to ApocalypsePodcastNetwork.com. And remember, every time you support one of our sponsors, you're supporting the podcast you just heard.